This following episode contains spoilers for the film or films being discussed. You have been warned. We all remember the big moments in the movies we see. The big set pieces, the famous dialogue, the twists, and the naked times. But film is an entity made up of hundreds of little moments that either make them special or relegate them to obscurity. We are here to talk about those moments. Welcome to Movie Microscope. Kick it, Movie Microscope. Today's episode is Iceman. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest movie, Microscope. My name is Nick Nunzada, and I'm your gracious host. Alongside me, the nestled-in protection, Justin Waddell. Justin, how's it going? You know, I mean, it's all right. It's, it's weird. How about you? How's it going with you? I mean, it's fine, man. I'm fine. Yeah? This is my dream come true, you know, not not working, not not, not having a good time, not, not making the rounds. Taking a look at my fucking shit all the time. I thought you were working. I'm working, but I'm not going around frolicking like I am known to do. You you working hard or you hard yeah, working, my friend? Come okay, on now. yeah, come on. Now. Oh, I'm hard. Um, <laughs> so today we're doing we're doing a big one. We're doing a big one here on the movie microscope, which is a uh, a show where we zoom in. So uh, if you guys aren't familiar with the show. Uh, this is a bad time to start. Um, we're a show where we we, we, see, we watch a film with a set of mistreated eyes, and we stare through all the gloss and all the glam and all the glue, and then we see like little specks of, of happiness, and we uh, we pull them out and we leave them out until they're useless. You know the stuff that makes or breaks. You know, so if we were talking about the number twenty three, we wouldn't be talking about the scene where Jim Carrey uh, sees an apparition. Uh, right across his scrot. We'll talk about the moments that are small, special. Does he have a, a are you saying that he has a, a testicular haunting in that film? I'm, I mean, the devil's in the details. I did not see it. So I feel that you've just spoiled it a little yeah. bit. Um, you're not the only one who hasn't seen it. <laughs> Was that a, like a Jim Carrey gets serious movie that didn't quite work? Yeah, that was him doing his mm-hmm. uh, his murder by numbers, you know, his high crimes, his, uh, you know, desperately seeking Susan. <laughs> Did you, uh, it'd be amazing if if every movie he kind of loses faith, you know, all the, in the hot dramas, and then he just does a, right in the middle of Prattfall or yeah. something. Yeah. Know, pulls a, pulls an extreme Jim Carrey face. Or he, or he uh, answers his asshole or something, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He like takes a call in his asshole, and the, the number twenty three. Yeah, like he hasn't new, had new... much. He hasn't had much luck as a dramatic actor, but apparently he's on that show, laughing or kidding, kidding, and um, and apparently it's supposed to be pretty good. I yeah. don't know. 
Uh, he replaced Kevin Spacey, who was originally starring in it. That's oh, a different show. Never mind. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so what's the what's the movie we're doing today? We're doing uh, uh, not the not the most recent one from 2017, but 1984's Iceman. Yeah, there wasn't there was a movie called The Iceman, right? Very recently. Yeah. Very recently. Sorry, Michael Shannon and and then there was another one that featured a bunch of like Swedish actors. The one with Michael Shannon was about the hitman, uh, John Gotti's hitman or whatever. This or Ted, whatever his name, Kluzinski, whatever his stupid name was. No, but the one that came out in 2017 was a legitimate, like, uh, similar style thing. And that was all filled with a bunch of fucking people that have dumb names and stupid things over their names. Do you think that Sean Ashmore was hoping that he would get his own Iceman single, you know, singular movie like yeah. Iceman spinoff? So was Val Kilmer. Yeah, I mean, they both were. <laughs> well, Val Kilmer returns, apparently, in the new uh, hot, uh, sorry, Top Gun sequel. He's in do, it. Do you think it's his funeral in the trailer? Because you know that uh, I know. IMAX screens, they're not going to do well with that throat. He is. He definitely had some health issues. I, you know, I, I don't know how his recovery is going, but we watched him. Speaking of ice, we saw his... Uh, returned to screen in uh, the snowman remember he was in the snowman of course he was freaking, and it was rough freaking, it was rough us out yeah freaking us out well he they they uh overdubbed him with a, a different voice so it was very strange um but yeah I, I wish him the best i i know that he's had a tough road to I hoe mean, we've done what one val kilmer film so far on here top top secret, top secret. yeah mm-hmm. which is incredible and he was amazing in it. But, you know, he's been so good in a lot of things. That's the thing about old Val Kilmer. Hard to work with. Apparently an asshole. But amazing on screen. Well, now I'm talking out of school. I don't know. I just heard the rumors. What about no, you? I've, what heard, I've heard it too. I've heard it too. You're a little bit more connected to uh, the glitz and the glamour of Hollywood. What have you heard about Val Kilmer? I heard he's a priest fucker. He's just a piece of dog shit to talk to. <laughs> Old Valentine Kilmer. <laughs> so, so, uh, yeah, all right, Val, so Val Kilmer is not in this 1984's Iceman, but who is? Sir Timothy Hutton. Another another stud of cinema. As, uh, well, Timothy another Hutton. guy who had a, a, a very good 80s and, yeah. then not, and then sort of petered out. Uh, you got Lindsey Krauss, friend of the show, one of our faves. I don't uh, like her. David Strathairn, you got an early Danny Glove. Yeah. You got an, uh, what's the dude's name from Top Gun that I love so much? James uh, Tolkien? Yeah, James Tolkien. Um, James R.R. Yeah. R. Tolkien. Yeah. You're forgetting the big one. Joseph Summer. Yeah. You no, got, you're forgetting the star of the film. Wait a minute. And you got Stephen Nemeth and Riel Andrews. <laughs> Yeah, and John Lone. John Lone. Of The Shadow. And John Lone, I didn't know much about John Lone. In this movie, he plays uh, the titular Iceman. However, uh, performance artist, which I guess makes sense when you think about um, what what was required of him for this role, which is a lot of, um, what is he doing? A lot of flailing. 
He's caving out, of, yeah. Caving out. A lot, of mime, a, lot of, a lot of mime shit. But he's got a great name, John Lone. That's a fantastic well, name. Well, he, he was the first J-Lo. I mean, a lot of people don't know that, but that's what he used to go by. He's got a fancy ass as well. I mean, I think uh, if you go on Instagram, uh, his his Instagram handle is the first J-Lo. So... <laughs> Is his middle name? Does his middle name start with an A? I don't know, because you know what it would be then, right? Not alone. That's uh, yeah. In casting calls, yeah. Um, Zoom in. He hasn't been in a lot of films. Like he was a very handsome man, um, still around. I don't think acting anymore, but um, he kind of a debonair, you know, dashing leading man. And this, he is covered with caveman hair and looking nuts. Is that appropriate or his, uh, he's looking, he's looking nuts, Nick. His real name is Lang Kwok Ning. Ing. Yeah. Zoom in. Lang Kwok Ning. Mm-hmm. Which was the what original you... uh, lyric for Walk This Way by Aerosmith. <laughs> but but he, he gave himself a, a cowboy moniker. That sounds like a cowboy name to me. Yeah. Yeah. John Lone. Sounds like a sheriff or something, you know? Yeah. 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 Or, or or a guy that's poor and he's constantly asking. But uh, yeah. he's a uh, I, I like when you called him debonair because that's not the word I'd ever use. But congrats to you. you. See, pick, just 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 Google him. Oh, I've he's seen a him. Dashing, he's a dashing man. Yeah, he was a star of I think he was in Rush Hour too as well. Well, I mean, of course, but the shadow is where he's really just something else. Was he the Was he the baddie in the shadow? Yeah, he was really we, good. We have to catch up with that movie. Oh, absolutely! I love that movie. Alec Ball, who Alec, else? I think Penelope Ann Miller. Oh, I love her. Yeah, I you think. Uh, I I don't love her, but I think she's pretty solid in that. Star um, of the Relic. <laughs> yeah, and don't forget Peter Boyle, Ian McKellen, Tim Curry, Jonathan Winters, Sab Shimono. I mean, that thing's loaded. Talk about the Shadow, James yeah. Hong, John Capellos. Shit, lots of lots of loaded men in there. The franchise that wasn't. I know it's got some. It's it's really fun. I mean, I think Baldwin as Lamont Cranston is so funny. He's so much fun. Yeah, his little his little argument, his little comments on his Brooks Brothers shirt suit, and him uh, the stuff with that knife, the killer knife. It's brilliant, brilliant stuff. I don't. Remember. I saw it in the theater. I I Russell Mulcahy, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and I think I remember somebody falling off a building. That's all I remember. It's like kind of a sight gag. Okay. All right, so was this your first time seeing Iceman? You know what, Nick? It wasn't. All right. I watched it in middle middle school back in the day. <laughs> they showed it in middle school. I don't know why. I guess because it has some educational value, and it's not too. It's very PG. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we saw it in middle school. I think everybody was confused of why we watched it. Um, because it's about a. a people in, in, in the 1980s trying to revivify a frozen caveman but yeah i guess it had something to do with learning you know what did you when did you see it this is an important film to you well i mean it's a sentimental film i mean i it was a failure i remember that but on on vhs i watched it with my folks and for some reason they fell in love with it ended up buying it and then I would come home from various activities and they'd be watching this fucking movie all the damn time <laughs> doing you impersonations of the fucking caveman. They were both of them. Mm-hmm. What, were, what were they? What would they say? There's one scene in particular 
where Timothy Hutton and he are singing a song together, and that is their favorite. And, <laughs> well, not anymore. They're deceased, but it was their favorite. But yeah, so this movie was a, was hardwired to the family, and then it kind of disappeared. I'm, I'm sure they put it out on every format, but it was never. It never had fanfare, and I'm surprised because it's it's a pretty straightforward, legitimate little adventure, you know, sci-fi tale. Just small, but I think it's it's aged pretty well. It looks good. I think it is a pretty good movie. It's it's a sweet movie, which is it's that's why they loved it. I imagine so much your parents because it it is just a very it wears its heart on its sleeve. It's very sweet. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's I'd say it's sort of forgotten, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think anybody's firing up Iceman too much lately. Well, it, it, I I I checked iTunes all the time for it, and it's just recently added to it. And it went straight to four ninety nine, which tells you people are really ripping it up. Yeah, really. Still though, I mean, I wonder if they did any cleaning up because uh, it looked pretty good when I was watching it on the old, uh, you know, four K TV. Oh, oh. Well, I, I heard that they went through and, and digitally replaced uh, Lindsey Krause's hairstyle. <laughs> she's got the she got that shortcut. She's got that. She's got that traditional. She's got that arrival cut going on. She does. Well, she always kept that hair. She had the same hair in House of Games, my friend. Yeah. I think, I don't know. She was also in a season of Buffy, the Vampire Slayer, season four. uh, And she left, famously quit the show and they had to rewrite it. Mm -hmm. What did she play? Had to be a teacher or something. She played like a a scientist or a a person that was... um, working with this kind of underground ground monster hunting military. And then she was nuts. And so it, she was going to be the main bad guy, but she quit. So then they made her creation, which was like a Frankenstein's monster, the main bad guy named Adam. You want me to get oh, into yeah. it? Or? I, remember, I remember Adam. That was dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think Whedon, Joss Whedon, the creator of Buffy does not like Lindsay Cross. However, I say, I think she's been good in everything she's been in. I like seeing her. I love her in House of Games. Yep, I love that movie. Yeah, yeah, and she uh, she's uh, she's still working. She's doing a lot of off Broadway stuff. Her her one woman show is still out there, so she's she's killing it. I mean, she's she's uh, little she just auto, had a guest star. A little she autobiography. Guest star the, what she just had a, a guest star one episode on Young Sheldon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. H- have you seen Life as a Kraus? Because it's a good show. <laughs> I thought you were. I thought you, I stepped all over it, but I thought you were serious. Why did I think that? Life is a cross. Yeah, she's not working, right? I mean, she's not around of anymore. Of course, she's working. Are you shitting me, Lindsay Kraus? How does that? She's a juggernaut. She ain't stopping for shit. I love that she's out there dodging the coronavirus with with us, like in solidarity. You know, Still somewhere working. out there dodging it. Uh, she, she's as of. I mean, as of seven years ago, she's been appearing in things. <laughs> See, I told you. You know what her last film was? Was uh, Mr. Brooks. She's in that? What does she play? A short-haired person. Oh, I think she's a cop. I I think she's a cop. She's always like an authority figure or a cop. You never see Lindsay Lindsay Krause playing like a a teenager on spring break with her boobs out, you know? Mm -mm. It's a shame. No. But uh, she's an ice man. So set up the film. Let's talk a little. Let's get into the plot here. Okay, so... 
uh, up in Alaska, I believe, somewhere up where it's cold and rocky. They've unearthed a, a frozen thing. We zoomed in, and they spent a where, lot. Where is it? Where is it set? <laughs> someplace that's not warm. Um, yeah. I think it's in the city. Yeah. <laughs> Here's one thing I can tell you, uh, mm-hmm. without any uncertainty. Uh, his name is definitely Shepard. I, I know. Can, I can tell you that for sure because there doesn't go five minutes in the movie where the the name Shepard isn't mentioned. Um, she uh, so they they find this this frozen individual, mm-hmm. and uh, they they revive him, and he's a, he's a caveman, and he's hating it, and then suddenly he's liking it, and then he's hating it again. <laughs> That's Shepherd. perfect. Yeah. So no, you're right. I mean, it is. It, I, it has to take place in the uh, Ar- Arctic, right, or the up north, because the Inuits, right, or the yep. they talk about. Isn't that where those guys hang out? They're in an Arctic base, but yeah, they're they're up there where it's where it's a lot of people speak Canada and shit. And they shot it. In, I think they shot some of it in Vancouver. I think. But, but anyway, uh, yeah. But so, it's a it's a feel good story about a, a cave individual. And uh, and and a and a science and anthropologist bonding. So yeah, and they, they you know this is a premise that kind of is, is made fun of, right? Like the thing that's like I think the same premise later was used for Encino Man, that classic with starring Brendan Fraser and Paulie Shore. Um, but you know, like this SNL had the unfrozen caveman lawyer. It's always kind of used as a joke, and this movie takes it very seriously. What if? The forty thousand year old man was trapped in ice, unfrozen, and and you know came out to uh, modern day man, you know, or at least met modern day man. So yeah, I mean, like it was pitched to the studio as what if uh, a Neanderthal individual were thawed out and then took turns grabbing Timothy Hutton and Lindsey Krause's junk. He does though. You're right. That does happen. And then that film was fast tracked. So at the beginning of the film, they it, it starts very like thing like in a way, right? So they they find this thing encased in a block of ice. They don't know what it is. They just know there's something in it. They're all excited. All the scientist nerds are buzzing because they can't wait to drill into it to see what's up. And um, a helicopter and the helicopters in this movie figure in very prominently. They're they're always in there. Uh-huh. It's a uh, it takes this block of ice over the credits, right? As the credits roll forever. It's a long credit sequence. And that, yeah, it's, it's swinging this ice thing below itself, like a tea bag, Nick. Yeah. And you're just wondering you, the whole time I was thinking, cause I knew from the title of the film and my history with it, there's a damn caveman in that block of ice. I wonder if on some level he was having fun swinging around in that frozen. He was frozen stiff. He didn't fuck. He might have, you know, he might, who knows, on some level, he might have been saying, wee, you know? That's not, yeah. I don't think so. So they get him, they get him back to their lab, and then they don't know it's a him, and they start to thaw him out, thaw this, the black ice, and they discover that there's a cave, there's a damn caveman in there. Yeah. And they don't know how old his body is. They don't know what the story is, but most of the people there at this scientific base, are salivating at the chance to cut him away and take his pieces and shove him around and determine, you know, what what he what shit he's got that we need. Meanwhile, Timothy Hutton, who plays Shepard, who 
whose name is mentioned every 12 seconds in the film and, and whose smell is mentioned every 18 seconds in the film, doesn't want to cut him away. They want He wants to, to see if they can learn something from each other. Because as you know, as well as I do, if you find something that's been frozen for 40,000 years, chances are it's fine. It's in perfect health. Well, you know, the thing about Shepard, uh, you know, and Timothy Hutton's character is that he's a little bit of a renegade. Like he's a little bit unconventional, right? Whereas everybody's kind of zooming left, he's zooming right. How's that? Yeah. Right? Anyway, and he he the first thing you, you see him, he's he's wearing animal pelts. He's got these like fifties bebop sunglasses on that looks crazy. That are, I guess they're probably very effective against the bright sun. Um, he smells like you said. Anyway, he rolls onto the onto the lab, and immediately he's forming a connection with that block of ice. Yeah, you know, he's like. He's like the Iceman's Elliot. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, <clears throat> like Nick said, everybody wants to dissect him, but there isn't a real powerful enemy in this film. It's not like, you know, Timothy Hutton has to put up a fight about, hey, maybe we should, if we thaw him and he comes back to life somehow, let's not dissect him. And then everybody's like, all right. Like, they don't really put up a lot of a fight. You know, yeah. they... Straight Heron kind of does, but and Joseph Summer, really. Joseph Summer is kind of the the the, mm-hmm. the head wig. Um, yeah, but yeah, where's he from? Where, where's Joseph? Uh, he's where's one he of those from? guys. He was ubiquitous for a stretch there. One of those, mm-hmm. he's a classical actor. Um, uh, he's he, still kicking. He's in a lot of summer movies, um, but uh, he, uh, yeah. So yeah, they 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 thought this, and it turns out, lo and behold, this guy's got some action still in his body. So they're yeah, able so they start, to uh, put some dick in him and, uh, and, and and start to make magic work. And and then his, his flesh becomes a living thing. So they're worried about, they, they know when they unfreeze him that there's no way. His, his, his the cells in his body are going to be, you know, fragile or what, decomposed or fucked up. And yeah. they're like, there's no way. But they do mention Revivify. They're like, what if we can maybe sort of like inject some life into this dude? And then it completely 100% works, and he comes back fine. It's almost yeah. like the 40,000 years ain't nothing. You know? Yeah, I mean, so, he, he's and just so, killing it. Yeah, yeah. Killing it. And so they have this nice kind of... So, uh, you know, this movie, I think, starts out in a very... I guess, like, it feels like a Spielberg film to me a little bit. What about... What do you think about that? It's definitely of that ilk. It's, you know, it's right in that sweet spot where we were... We were better people. We were in touch with our sense of wonder. And this film is filled with it. They're like, we can't go wrong. We got a caveman and Timothy Hutton. Let's just ride this comet straight to the bank. And the thing I love, though, is the, the scientists become interested in the cave individual because maybe we don't have to cut him apart. Maybe there's something about his body's ability to create some sort of an enzyme or whatever that allows him to withstand this deep freeze and all this stuff. Like maybe those cave guys had some shit in them that made them live longer or that that we can use as a secret, you know, they do figure it out. You know what the secret was, right? What's that? He ate buttercups. No, he ate buttercups. That's right. (laughs) Remember they said, yeah, he's got buttercups in his stomach. And that's what they found with the mammoth as well, that it had eaten those buttercups. Yeah. Yeah. Buttercups get a little bit of I you never hear much about buttercups in film. And this one you hear it a couple of times. I was nice to see that kind of representation on screen finally. Yeah. Is it a weed? 
Or is it a flower, Nick? It's got to be a flower. Nick? Yep. Nick, did you ever hold one under your chin? <laughs> are we still talking about... What are we, are we talking about? Oh, buttercup. Oh, no, I was talking about Timothy Hutton's package. Um, I'm going to look when up... you hold it under your chin, it's supposed to give you a little bit of a, uh, a yellow yellow glow glow under your chin. And it's supposed to tell, if you have a yellow glow, that you like butter. Oh, yeah, they're real. They're real. It's poisonous to eat for humans and cattle. Well, don't tell the Iceman that. That's right. But when dry, the poison is not act. That's good. I never even gave a fuck about a buttercup until now. Um, so here's so, the story. I mean, John Lone plays Charlie. That's the, that's the name of the yeah. caveman. Uh, and, and he and Timothy Hutton spend the middle of the film, you know, learning a little bit about each other, touching it around. And, uh, it all starts well, with uh, with Tim, with uh, this ice gentleman. <laughs> there's like a little sequence where we see him in his element, and it's hilarious. It's adorable. You know, he interacts with a with a frog. He interacts with a boar briefly. He uh, he tries to eat a hose. Well, this was neat. I think about this this movie. I think it's really well done. Is that when he starts to wake up? When they realize that they're reviving a caveman for God's sakes. And he's going to be back to full caveman self. And they start to freak out. They don't know what to do. They sedate him. And so then he starts to go to sleep. And then you think that you're having like a flashback to like when he was an actual caveman 40,000 years ago, but really what's happening is they set up a little, I don't know what do they call that. A vivarium, like a vivarium. A vivarium. Yeah. For him that has like, you know, you know, he can hunt in there. You know, he kills a boar in there. Um, he can climb rocks. He, and so we, we think it's a, we think it's a flashback, but then like Nick said, he eventually pulls up a hose, a sprinkler system. And then you realize that he's in uh, a man-made and thing. Then, and then you quickly realize that they didn't really, they didn't really do a good job of hiding the rest of the facility. Cause that sequence requires a little bit of leap of logic that this dude did not notice everything else around him since he spent at least two nights there. Two well, I days. think that he just doesn't know. I think he just doesn't know, you know, what certain things are like. He doesn't know. I don't think you can look up to the skylight up above and not get, you know, not realize something's not right. And then also everything else, but they actually had a consultant on this film to help them with the caveman stuff. So that was good. Like to actually kind of like a caveman consultant. So that was good. Is that true? Hmm. Yep. <laughs> Who was it? It was uh it was three of Adam Sandler's fans. <laughs> Don't even I love I love Sandler. Can you imagine if there was a caveman consultant? Like he's passing himself off as somebody who actually knows I mean, granted, yeah, I'm sure there's an anthropologist who could tell you some shit. But we don't know. Those guys I mean, who not leave records. Who knows what John Lone did to prepare for this role? Put on some fake facial hair, uh, some prosthesis. Probably put like a like a f- fake forehead on, right? Right. And then he just mumbled a lot and I'd... crouched and did like a crab walk around the set a lot. <laughs> I like the idea of him actually doing that in in society, like just basically you know going going out in the woods, going to the market in a caveman, you know, at mm-hmm. fire, and just making an act absolute fool of himself. And then he comes back to the Iceman, 
the set and he's got his shit together, you know, because the great thing is, is he could have done anything and we couldn't, we wouldn't know if it's authentic. I mean, we're not, we're not smart, but it works. He's charming. He's got rag, raggedy teeth. They focus on his teeth a lot. Yeah. Stay, my wife, she watched a little bit of this with me last night and his frozen face, like when he's thawed out and his face is still frozen. She said that used to give her nightmares when she was little. Mm-hmm. Wow, man. I'd when love to was, live in a world where that was, that was the stuff of nightmares. Now, now our, our everyday life blows that away. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So Timothy Hutton, you know, he, he's unconventional and like Nick said, he goes down to communicate on a, on a person to person face to face level with this unfrozen caveman. And how did it go? How's it go at first? No, oh, it's weird. Well, first caveman, they have to shoot him. Them. They have to shoot him first. Oh, well, yeah. Cause he starts to go crazy when he finds a sprinkler. Yeah. yeah. Danny Glover has to nail him, you know, by the Shoots way, him in the buttock. This is Danny Glover with no Danny Glover at all. Is obviously he was an actor for hire because he makes no he takes no choice no chances. He makes no acting choices. He's just there, you know, happy to be around. But yeah, this is he plays the around this time he played a formidable bad guy in Witness. Too, I don't. I wouldn't right? say he, he gets killed by grain. He's a little bit of, but he was a, a imposing figure in that film. This is not. He's just a kind of a nice nice dude. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so they, they yes, you're right. He does intimidate Timothy Hutton early on in their in their interactions. And yeah, the caveman. Yeah, and he and he starts to challenge him, and he uh, and he starts feel he starts to like almost kill kills crushes the skull with a rock, which is rough. That I mean, like, happen. do you think would you now if you were in Shepard's shoes or his laying there and this caveman grabs a rock and is about to smash your head with it? Would you tell your friends, "Hey, stop! Don't do anything." At that point, I'd be like, shoot this cump. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd probably, I'd say if it looks like I'm about to get hurt at all, or if I might even trip, shoot him in the face. You know, <laughs> if you could just blow his head off, it would be fine. If he starts to talk, you no, know, yeah. like, um, so, you know, you know, Timothy Hutton is already in love with the caveman. He doesn't, he, he is so excited to bond with this man. And so he, you know, he puts his life in, in danger, and then the caveman respects that, and he starts to feel feel all over him, right? He starts to <laughs> one of my favorite to, scenes, one of my favorite yeah. scenes, because he he gets a, a a nice handful of Timothy Hutton's action area, and uh, it's a really charming little scene. He's poking around, checking out his buttons, checking out his you know his shoes. Mm-hmm. I thought it'd been cool if he took one of Hutton's shoes off and freaked out. Like thought he decapitated his foot. You know, he's like <laughs> came in shitting himself. He uh, speaking of, they never do show the caveman relieving himself, pooping or peeing, or the person that has to clean that up. You know, who do you think is that character? I wonder if they, maybe they just let it go. I don't know. I have a feeling that cave people probably saw that themselves. Where. Maybe he's in. That's what he's doing in the waterfall sequence when the water's coming. That's such a great little shot. You sent me a picture of it, but my daughter was with me when I was watching it, and she was giggling with that shot. It was such such a funny little moment. But uh, I think they probably eat their own shit and eat their own piss. (laughs) Well, okay, that solves it for me then. No, no questions. Um, I'm going on to Google. I'm going to say, do the cavemen eat their shit and piss? Let's see what happens. 
and just put or buttercups. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's gonna anyway. Um, Timothy Hutton's got some uh, some uh, crazy curls in this movie. He's a mop top. It's weird. It's, you know it's a weird hairstyle. I've never seen him with, with curls, have I? I don't think so. Uh, apparently, still... the, the cave people used to go out in groups and, and poop while looking at each other. Is that what you found out? They'd go to a field and, and, and face each other. I guess they were watching each other's back and uh, shitting. Yeah. yeah. Well, not much has changed then. Can you imagine stumbling across that archaeological find? Well, we got the bones of three shitting cavemen right here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What, or it would be awesome. What if they were frozen in mid shit and they unfroze them and they, this is the find of the, and then the caveman went, ah. <laughs> <laughs> the, oh my oh, God. What a, what a better film. Like there's, they're like, we, we see two objects suspended in the stasis, uh, one larger and one smaller. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's thaw out the smaller one. It's a giant shit from the caveman. <laughs> <laughs> What if? <laughs> smells like smells like buttercup. <laughs> so uh, they, everybody keeps going uh, to Timothy Hutton's character. Why are you so fixated? Every time he shits, you're just staring at him. It's like I'm allowed. That's what they used to do. That's right. They used to look at each other when they poops. <laughs> um. So at, at one point, Lindsey Cross, who is also a fellow. Uh, researcher scientist um she makes a little joke about the ice man warmeth when they're unfreezing unfreezing so um, bad i kind of liked it. it reminds me of a joke that maybe i would come up with in that situation but i probably get bigger laughs just because <laughs> of delivery delivery alone you know yeah uh what did you think when going back to when they start when they do thaw him out they thaw him out, and he's in a very like weird position. Like he's in a <laughs> midair, hands yeah. up. Looks like he's getting a stuck. Like a someone say, it's, you know, stick him up. Yeah, that's a cute little did moment. You, was he? Do you think it was like an avalanche happened or something? Is that is that? Did they ever explain how well, he, he got frozen? A, he's like on a vision quest. I, I know that, but I don't know what else happened to him. Well, yeah, Timothy Hutton later pieces together what happened to him, and it's very much a leap of logic. He's like he probably is on a vision quest, a dream quest. And he's, you know, he has to find, you know, f save his family and all that stuff. Like, it's a very, it's, it's the truth, but it's a, it's a leap. Right. You know, we're just supposed to believe it because old Mop Top Hutton is delivering that shit to us. Um, There's a major goof in that scene, by the way. I was mm -hmm. reading that on IMDb. Like, um, they had to reshoot that whole sequence um, when, when they dethaw Charlie. Because yeah. they they dethaw him and he's he, uh, John Lone had accidentally had a backpack on. <laughs> he's holding a pixie stick. <laughs> um, they did say that you what, see his fillings in some of the scenes where he's yelling, which is funny. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. That's a super zoom. Yeah. That's old. That's old internet. Internet. Internet, Internet Dan over here trying to ruin movies. I could see his feelings. All right, we get it, dude. Um, did you were you surprised to see the Nintendo cameo in this? What? Oh, the video game, like little. 
Yeah. A little handheld, a little Donkey Kong. Mm-hmm. It was like a crazy climber, right? Mm-hmm. And then they had they had like a, they had a montage of video games at one point, which made me very happy. Like two pinball games and a bunch of old video games. Space Invaders gets might as well have a credit in this movie. So yeah, they have a very they have like a commons area where everybody's having fun. It reminds me it, another scene that reminded me of the thing, but the, there's way more crowded and lively than the thing when they were just chilling in that, in yeah. that room well, the, there was the a little, pool table. They were even on their best day in, in, in the Antarctic mm-hmm. set, they weren't having a good time if, on the thing. Mm-hmm. Although Kurt Russell was nailing that chess. Um, <laughs> he was nailing it. Then what did you think in this? I saw, I noticed a lot of, they have a lot of shots of, of um, they're, tr- they're focused on John Lone a lot in this movie, the caveman. So there's a lot of shots that are kind of from behind where I'm listening. Timothy Hutton's still in the still in the shot, but you see his back and his his buttocks and his legs, and he's wearing beige pants, and he's got these little uh, button pockets that are like upturned. Did you notice that? I like so that they're kind of it's like think of a pocket like a like you know like a pocket with a little like the cover. I don't know what the fuck you button over the pocket, and um, it's got a little flap. And it's a little upturned, like you didn't iron it. And that's like every time you see his butt in that movie, he's got his stupid, you know, unironed pockets happening. Now, you don't need to give me another reason to watch it. <laughs> you can just cut that out. <laughs> I wrote that down. Um, so what do you think about the uh, the moments between those two? The, the, trying to learn each other's language, trying to discover, you know, poking around. Well, I th- what I think is interesting in this movie is I, I feel like more connected to, and maybe rightfully so, like you feel a lot more connected to the Iceman, to John Lone's character than you do Timothy Hutton, who is the star of the film, I guess, in a way. I guess that he's supposed to be the star of the film. But what do you think? I mean, I like their little relationship, but Wait. I was more interested, obviously, in, in Lone. Let me think. What's the name of the movie? Um... I know, I know. But you know what I'm saying, though? Like, Hutton, you're supposed to have a lot of sympathy for his character. And, um, well, I mean, he, he actually shows a lot of heart. The character does, but you know, he's also, no, that's great. Um, every, I, you know, the thing is, I like the fact, like you'd mentioned, there's no villain. I I love that about this. I, I I'd like to think that that's how it really wind up. If that happened So where it's just a bunch of people super excited about something and all having different motivations for what they would do with it, but kind of going with the flow because Charlie's so fucking charismatic. In a way, the only villain in it is that people don't really know what to do with the situation. So then, like, you know, there's helicopters that appear out of nowhere that, you know, they're kind of um, they're kind of the villains of the film. But they're also kind of these objects of they don't really they're just they're not trying to, like, agitate the Iceman. They just do, you know, and, you know, there's some pursuit at the end when he uh, escapes the facility. But you know, they're, they're also just trying to, in a way, rescue him too, you know, or like get him back. It's not a horrible thing. Um, anyway. So what do you think of those upturned pockets? <laughs> I need to watch it again. I need to watch it again at least once. Um, so I like I like the relationship. I, that scene when they sing, um, that Neil Young song is it's, it's really neat. You that's know, the like part my parents lost it. Like they would, ma. Ma! <laughs> they would. I would hear them in, in, uh, from the other parts of the house doing this. That we'd be at breakfast, and one of them would go, "Ma!" 
Because <laughs> he's singing, they're singing Heart of Gold by Neil Young, yeah. right? So well, I mean, one Timothy of them Hutton is, is one of them is Timothy Hutton singing it, and uh, and he keeps stopping, and then he keeps getting uh, hit and prompted to go on by um, Charlie the Caveman. He's yeah. he's like he lo- he's loving he's loving this karaoke version of this song, <laughs> but he can only um, form one word, you know. Yeah, and it's yeah. And, and to me, there's a there's a, a a world, an alternate world where this is one of those moments in movies that people kind of celebrate, you know, like when, oh my god, like you know, like the like the scene in Almost Famous where they sing Tiny Dancer, you know, yeah. this is like that, but with a fucking primate. Well, I mean, like I said, this or like you said, this movie is very sweet. It's it's got its heart, and the where's this, you know, it's just. It has to be beloved by the people that have seen it. I imagine there's a lot of people that have seen it that probably really like it. I just don't know how many people have seen it. I think you said it wasn't a hit. No, but I think there's a Jurassic Parkish element to it, and I also think this is something that would be kind of neat. Is um, th- this story should be bigger? I mean, they should give this another shot because it's. I think it's timeless, and I think I think the one thing that you notice is people today. Uh, the stuff that gets them excited is usually a fantastical stuff. You don't see a lot of people embracing this part of our, of our history. So let's bring right. a fucking, let's bring another rock dweller out. Let's get another fucking stone man out and do him. You know, let's do yeah. it. Well, you think, think there's space to put this on TV as a mini series, maybe like a 20 parter. I'm, I'm for it. You know, first four episodes they are melting them. <laughs> Hutton's Hutton's bit. He's available. If you want him to come back. You know, like I brought up before the show, Hutton recently in the news, he got uh, a little bit of the Me Too uh, movement uh, happened to him because he was accused of, of um, I think he was accused of rape during the shoot of this film. No. Yes. Are you serious? During Iceman. In Are you fucking yeah, kidding yeah. me? No. It's, it, it came out, yeah, when he was a young man. I don't know how old he was in this, but. And even a woman that was even younger at the time, uh, very young, I think, accused him of this. Um, so that was very recent that happened. And, and so Iceman was in the news. Has been, it recently made available on iTunes also has been in the news because of this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was funny. There's been a lot of those, I, a lot of those cases that have come out lately. We were talking about something. Yeah, of course. Um, it's not good. Uh, it's not. I, and I recently, I recently got that Louis C.K. special that he just put out, and watched that, and he addresses his little issue there. Um, in a way, you've remained a fan somehow of little Louis C.K. Huh? Uh, you still like him, or absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Um, and then uh, Anthony Daniels um, was uh, during the public got completely swept under the rug with all the hatred for Rise of Skywalker, but he actually came out with one that he got detoured. And it was um, unfortunate, but it's unfortunate that he got detoured. Yeah, he got detoured. Part of the detour movement. Oh man, it's awful. Yeah. Uh, I saw you complain a little bit today about the rise of the Skywalker hate. It was today or yesterday? Yeah, yeah. Th- so there's this thing, and I know you don't like the movie that much either, but people cannot just mind their own fucking business. So whenever the official Star Wars account posts on Twitter. I don't know why I hate myself enough to check it out, but every time, if you just, they could be posting like a link to the, to the Blu-ray release or whatever. And it's just filled with people hating and hating and hating and hating. And then I've noticed this thing while people have been in quarantine, 
a handful of them who hadn't seen the movie are watching it for the first time on iTunes or on video. And every single person has is just compelled to post a picture of the box or a picture of the poster saying, well, I know this is going to suck, but, or there, or somebody got the uh, novelization of the book is like, well, this is going to be awful. You know, there's just, it's just so embarrassing. It's just embarrassing. That's I mean, that's amazing. Like star Wars is amazing in that. Like it's so, it creates this weird passion, obviously this weird hatred towards it too, but everybody sees it. So it's like, I like how people are like, I'm not seeing that in the theater. There's no way. And then they're like, well, I just bought, I just bought the digital, you know, it's like, you know, Star Wars can't lose. I mean, no matter what they put out, they just make so much money. No, it can lose. Um, it's losing. I don't think so. I mean, this. I mean, it's still one of the Rise of Skywalker still made a ton of money. I know, but how's Solo Two coming? How's the Bounty Hunters movie? How's the Obi Wan movie? They took it. They 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 took it all to heart and they took a shit on him. Yeah, but Disney. I I still swear that Disney part of this is that they did it to themselves, like, or Lucasfilm or whoever. Like, they they got, like, you always say, they should just do what they want to do and push forward because there's always going to be this divisiveness. And um, instead, they try to they try to kind of hold their finger up and figure out what to do that way, and it's just the wrong way to go. I think that they just got cold feet on Solo and didn't push it. I think that movie would have made, made more money if they put more effort in. Well, and the reality, marketing. too, is when Star Wars came out, there wasn't Harry Potter. There wasn't all these other franchises, Marvel and all that. The world's more mm-hmm. crowded. Now, granted, Force Awakens made more money than God, so it can be done. But I, I just can't imagine a, an environment where you are making movies that if you make $400 million, you failed. That's just not a healthy way to create art or, or, or pop right. culture. So I think they should. No, no, it's not. And and you know the thing, another thing, three hundred thousand that they did. I think that they got. You know, we talk about this a lot, but they, uh, you know, I think that they with Jedi. I know it's very divisive. I think that's an incredible film, Last Jedi, and I love Force Awakens. So they just didn't finish it off confidently, and I think that's what people really. Um, if they would have just pushed forward and just made a confident film, anyway, who cares? Uh, getting back to Iceman. Yeah, he's um he smells and he's from outer space. <laughs> Is that right? No, that's not. I think it's a beautiful movie. And let me tell you something. There is a secret weapon in this movie that I would normally hate. Mm-hmm. But that soundtrack won me over. That flute. You love it. For yeah. some reason, it's, it, it's this constant flute soundtrack in the background. And I normally would hate it, but they kill it. I think it's really wonderful. It's really, it, it kind of dates the film a little bit, but I think it's, it's actually, it lends a lot of the, a lot of that like subcutaneous emotion to the film. Right. No, I like the, I like the score. Is it the score? I mean, yeah. I guess it's the score. Yeah. What did you think about, so, um, Hutton to, to Lindsay Krauss, who he's, I guess he's sort of interested in, um, as romantically, but, she doesn't seem to reciprocate very much. Um, he's like, well, I've been in there with the caveman, but I think in order to kind of progress with him, we need to introduce a woman. We need to get a woman in there, something different than me and see how re- he reacts. And so she begrudgingly does it. She's very scared. Well, to she do surprises it she him. Yeah. She surprises him with it. Yeah. So she just says no at first, but then she, she jumps in there, you know, feet first. And then what happens? Uh, he wants to rape her. I mean, he 
He definitely tries to he, uh, feel her areas, he and then some of her areas, and then he really wants to feel the other areas. And Hutton has to assert his uh, assert himself and say, "She's mine." He's lying, but he's like, "This, she's mine. This is my woman." Yeah, and kind of protects her that way. And then once he does that, asserts his dominance or whatever, she's kind of free to roam in there um, and bond with the caveman as well. Did you like that? Yeah, it was nice part of the movie. Yeah, I think it was great. I thought she has to eat a beetle. She does. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And speaking of Ringo Starr, was in what movie? Oh yeah, is it is it called Caveman? Yeah, it's taking yeah. it full circle. Um, nice. So think about now. This movie was made in the mid '80s. Now think about the the way that the '80s style and substance were. Mm-hmm. It would not be out of the realm of possibility for an '80s movie about this for them to go get a hooker for that caveman to have sex with. And make something. There's a, there's a. I wanted, I wanted to see. I wanted him to get a little progeny built. I wanted to see him have a little, little, little Charlie. Well, that's the thing. He, the caveman, does regret. He does draw his family in the sand. He draws his wife, <laughs> giant breasts, who is a <laughs> giant, yeah, giant stick figures with giant breasts, and then he draws little guys, and then he imitates his little kids. Very cute. Yeah. And um, very sad, kind of. And so. And then he says um, in perfect English, how are they doing? <laughs> Did they get unfrozen as well? And uh, Timmy the Hutton said, no. They're fucking dead for 40,000 years. Yeah, he's like, no, um, there aren't even bones. They're like, it's just, they're, they're oil now. <laughs> so. Um, yeah. So you're saying that you wish that they would have trotted in. Um, no, no. I'm saying. An 80s movie like this, I wouldn't be surprised if they brought a hooker in. I'm saying is I would have liked to have – they should have kept some of his nut because I would like to see – I'd like them to hatch a, a new caveman from from his uh, his breeding juice. Well, I think a, a weaker movie would have been like trying to make uh, Lindsay Cross's character kind of – have a like, fall in love with him you know like so yeah, right. you know, like she doesn't like that she doesn't uh, like timothy hutton's character who's of her era but she's she likes this throwback dude she likes she likes, she likes older men <laughs> <laughs> um did you think so then uh, a helicopter appears in the sky and the the caveman and through the the this the ceiling like he there's glass ceiling he goes nuts. Peter, he, he, he starts going nuts and going crazy in there, and he and he and he and it's it's supposed to be very sad because he's very fixated on what they have now figured that it's a it's a trickster god, as Timothy Hutton somehow surmises, but from an Inuit song uh, that there's a trickster god because they they figure he's saying a word over and over again, which is bird, right? Sort of. Or some yeah, and so um, everybody gets real emotional about it because he's then from then on obsessed with. He says uh, the same word over and over again. He seems obsessed, and he won't like, come out of his funk. He won't karaoke with Timothy Hutton anymore. <laughs> he won't uh, jack off into a cactus anymore. He just jacktus. <laughs> He's he's doing weird shit. And he's mumbling to himself. He's singing a song as well. He, there's a lot of songs in this. Yeah. Remember he sings a little little song in this to himself. Yep. Um, it's a, but, uh, but I like the so yeah. Later on, he did uh, Hutton deducts that it's a, a, a trickster god. 
Well, we don't know. Like all we know is that he was on some sort of a pilgrimage when he when he at the time of his froze, and uh, he was yeah, it had Hutton, something to do with his family, like something he he did to his family. That's what Hutton says. Like that's what I'm saying is like all this stuff is just he's spitballing it, but it sounds like it's real. Like he's like, yeah, he's probably on this vision quest, this dream quest. He left his family behind because they're starving, and then like. He probably tripped on a polar bear's paw. You know, it's just like, okay, Timothy Hutton. Like, seem like you're improving this. But, you know, he's right. That's the thing is they're trying to tell you that he's right. Everything he's saying is correct. What happened? My dog, What'd you do? My dog needed in. Oh. Um, here you go. Um, so I like that. I like the fact that Hutton has that, you know, that kind of thing. I, I like to think that it's that, it's that you know it's reminiscent of okay he was tripping balls when he died and and i think it'd be better if they do a sequel and it turns out there was a fucking helicopter there and that opens up a, a, a neat time travel story so did you see um did you did it remind you of the evil dead 2 when i remember when ash has this big speech to everybody about what's happening yeah. and it's like these it's like it's like another dimension like these people he's completely right but it's like Rami's like making fun of some like the hero always getting it right, and then this it's kind of that's what it's. But it's still it's fine. It's 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 quick. Yeah. And then so he goes nuts, and then he escapes the facility, yeah, yeah. very much like Cabin in the Woods. Like he's in the all of a sudden he's behind the scenes, right? He's right. outside the vivarium. Yeah, I felt a lot. I felt a Cabin in the Woods vibe myself. And he's backing into the elevator buttons. He's like tripping over printers. He's getting turning them on, breaking glass and getting cut by having a cute little sequence where he figures out about a glass door. Yeah. A cute little sequence where he punctures James Tolkien. <laughs> he does. What I love about that scene is so he is like, uh, you know, no one knows that he escapes and then he, or at least, at least he escapes into the, the belly of the, of the, of the lab or the facility. And they don't, they're just kind of going about their business. And there's like a, caveman hiding in the in the different rooms so then tolkien what's his name james, Tol james what's Tol his name? tolkien he surprises him by mistake he hears a sound and he goes in there and he gets stabbed by a spear and the look on his face is like they, oh, a, shit. yeah there's a cutaway of him like not again he, well he's just like laughing about like that sucks that the you know, the guy. Is, they don't say what his fate is i'm sure he didn't die but they never say what his fate is I hope he didn't die because he's he's very likable in the in the film. You know, I think everybody is pretty much likable. Even Strathairn, who is, I guess, set up as the he plays Doctor Singe. I think is his name S I N G. He's set up as like the antagonist, and he's really barely. He's just a handsome Strathairn. I like him with the know? mustache. I like his his eighties mustache. I know. Calm down. Me too. You're being sarcastic, but it's sweet. I'm not. That guy's a legend. What do you? So when the helicopters show up, they have these antennas sticking out the front, like a lance. I've never seen that. Of a, a helicopter have like a a protruding like antenna out their front. Have you? No, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Like a, it's almost like a toothpick. You didn't notice that? No. It's a it's a huge zoom. It's a power yeah. zoom. Um. Helicopters, man. Im he gets he imitate gets, what what does he call the helicopter over and over? Pita, pita, pita. I have it spelled out in my notice in all caps: P E A T dash T A H. P 
Pete Ta. I love it. Um, I mean, honestly, there so are the, worse things to do than walk around the house making Iceman sounds. He eventually get, he gets outside. He's delighted, and then <laughs> Timothy Hutton Timothy Hutton f- goes with him. He's like, "You're you're escaped. I'm escaping with you. We're gonna walk across the lands. How does that work out?" <laughs> okay, the lands start breaking apart. So I don't remember any of this. The end of this movie. Mm-hmm. I had this yeah. weird memory of him killing himself, and I had this weird memory of him somehow making it to civilization. But yeah, so he yeah, Hutton, his intentions are let let this guy finish his 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 spiritual journey so that he has peace, and then mm-hmm. and then everybody will be happy and life will go on. But life doesn't go on. No, so he so Hutton and him they're on they're on this vision quest together. I guess now they're walking away from the facility. And then the ice starts to break apart, like in a like avalanche happens, and then the the frozen tundra. I don't know what the hell it is. It breaks apart and splits. It splits um, Charlie and and um, and Shepard. Uh, and then you know Shepard's like he's like come back, Ice Man, come back. And he's and he doesn't. He doesn't even acknowledge yeah. Shepard anymore. And then the helicopter tries to kind of intervene and then charlie climbs on to i think they call it the helicopter's feet yeah that's what is that the, it's called their yeah it's called their shorts skids and he grabs it the skids and he grabs it and then the helicopter lifts up and proceeds to go twenty thousand feet into the air <laughs> and uh the pilot of the helicopter realizes that there's a damn caveman hanging off of a helicopter he tries to help him well, he, I mean, tries, he reaches out there's an instrument he's like the instrumentation caveman warning light goes off <laughs> and he tries to re- he tries to help. He's like, "Hey, oh my God, don't hang off of this thing. We're so high up." Instead of trying to land, he tries to reach out and grab him. It doesn't work. No. And Charlie falls straight down back to earth. Well, and um, and they keep showing Hutton's face, and he and Hutton is very concerned. And then he has this smile on his face. Like he's like, oh, it's so sweet that he's falling to his death. Like he got a little, he's like smiling. Well, because it looks like Charlie's ecstatic. Well, he's yeah, he's like he's it's I don't know what he's doing, but he's he's doing a little, I don't know, he's not exactly doing backflips in the air, but he does look like he's having a little bit of fun up there. He's skydying. Yeah, he's he... right before he lands. He he does say his first sentence. What is that? He says, "What does gravity do to you?" What does gravity do? <laughs> is it is that bad to fall from this high? <laughs> That's what he said. The funny thing is, is that yeah. cool. They dub in the sound of him hitting the ground. It goes pita. That's like that's the sound it makes. So they don't show him. They they cut to a pull quote, which is the beginning of the film about you know I think something about being free or something. It doesn't matter. But Timothy Hutton looks positively thrilled that his uh, <laughs> the subject of all his research is falling to his death. He, Why? He, he doesn't seem too thrilled. Um, he smiles first, and then he then he seems to be thrilled. Yeah, I don't yeah. I don't get that necessarily. But uh, I, mean, I don't either. It's pretty great, though. I mean, it's a pretty it's a pretty cute little story. Do you think it's unnecessary? And over the credits, they just show the scientist dissecting his body. <laughs> no, it was hot, and then they had outtakes um, of uh, and, and then uh, a very eating a beef. Big beef and cheddar. <laughs> outtakes? What do you mean? Those well, are outtakes. After the credits, they have outtakes of uh, of his uh, family dying in the past. Oh, Sifty yakety sacks. 
<laughs> did you did you like the one feature that they had and they included in the digital release? What was that? The John Lone in character commentary <laughs> over the phone. Vita, <laughs> ma. Um, um, he does say he 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 does say that during the halfway point he he comes out of character and says Timothy Hunt did get me too during this it turns out during this this uh, did have a me too moment during this. He um, keep his what do you think of old ah, Timothy himself? <laughs> what do you think uh, of old Timothy Hutton? Do you like him in things? Do you, can you give or take? I love him. You do? I do. I was a big Turk one fan when I was a kid. It was on HBO all the time. Ordinary Peeps. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking Tim Hutt, you know, Falcon and the Snowman. You're talking Tim Hutt. You know, you got him back there. He's doing all that shit. You got him fucking Tim Hutt. You got him in General's Daughter, you know. <laughs> well, you took quite a leap between Falcon and the Snowman and General's Daughter there. That's quite a gap. <laughs> what about Beautiful Girls? He's great in Beautiful Girls, uh, creeping out on Natalie Portman. We all do. All- Let's try to remember some other... Timothy Hutton films. Can you do it? Of course. I mean, he's in without looking. Okay, so he's in. Uh, you know, he's in. He's in the Temp. Is he? Isn't he in the, or the Secretary? One of those. He's in. He's in a movie. Is with it, a raped Secretary. Is it? Is, is the Temp the one with Laura Flynn Boyle? He, no, that's James Spader, right? No, that's uh. You're thinking of um, Secretary. I think that's the one. With I'm, I'm looking James Spader. This. Um, you look it up. I thought he was in that. I think you're wrong. I don't think so. He's in. He's in a ton of great. He's in Deterrence, which I love, 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 love. That's that's a. Oh, he is in the Temp. He's the yeah Q and A. Fuck. That's right. That's an, that's another one where there's balls grabbed in it. Nick, Nick Nick Nolte grabs balls. We should do a podcast on on all the films. Oh God, the Dark Half. Forgot about the Dark Half. Oh, uh, Dark Half is a, a movie I like. Kind of, he plays a dual role in that. He plays the—he's so good, the goody and the baddie. Guess I'll punt. Yeah, now General's daughter and we had deterrence. Deterrence is probably my favorite. He's been in a lot of shit. Um, but you said he's a good guy, right? You said he's a good guy off off screen. <laughs> he's somehow in the movie The Good Shepherd. Do you think they cast him for one reason and one reason only? Because he played the Good Shepherd. Mm-hmm. You know who his yeah. first wife is. You, oh. you mentioned E.T. earlier. Yeah. E.T.'s voice. Seriously? Yep. yep. She recently passed away, I believe. Deborah Winger's dead? Oh. Well, then what? there's someone that played maybe E.T. Oh, Zelda Rubenstein? No. Somebody that played E.T. recently died. I thought the voice. Well, Deborah Winger did the voice for E.T. Hold on. Am I am I making this up? I, I could have swore she was ET's mouth. Pat Welsh. No, that's a dude. I think Pat Welsh. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I was always I've always told people that she did ET's voice. Pat. Well, she didn't recently die. She was an American film actress known as the raspy voice of ET. Okay. Huh. Deborah Winger. I heard Deborah Winger was ET's voice. She hasn't even seen E.T., it says here. What is that? It says she hasn't even seen E.T., it says in IMDb. It says she's the voice of E.T. This this is something we're going to have to zoom at some point. I can't re- do the research now. Voice of E.T. 
That's so weird. Maybe there's multiple voices of E.T. I'm fucking pissed off that she's not E.T.'s mouth. <laughs> E.T., man. Did E.T. fall to his death at the end of E.T.? I can't remember. Was that, is it that? She was. Was it, was it? In the rough cut, she did his voice. And she's in most of the film is Pat Welsh now, but there's some of some of hers is still Winger. And oh God, they replaced they replaced Deborah Winger's voice as ET. Oh, it's like Joyride all over again. I never knew. Remember Joyride? Yeah, yeah. Ted Levine mm -hmm. replaced uh, somebody. I don't. He replaced Eric, Eric Roberts. Eric Roberts, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And then Ted Levine just did an ET voice. For the audition, um, ET voice, what did he sound like? Can you give me a little? Uh, I can't remember. You're right here. Oh, sweet. Yeah, I think uh, Henry Thomas and uh, Timothy Hutton have some similar qualities. They're both in the house on Haunted Hill, right? <sighs> oh, god, you're right. That's why I said it then because he that's right because he played <laughs> that's why I said it, I guess. He played, uh, um. Henry Thomas played the younger version of Timothy Hutton. They've both been in that, in that show. Had their share of work in uh, Stephen King adaptations too. Yeah. 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 Right. I, 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 All right. I see. I, it sucks that he may have done some bad stuff, but I, I'm a, I've always been a big fan of Hutton. And what was that? He was that John Rogers TV show, Le Leverage or whatever. Yeah. The star of that. I, mm -hmm. I always found him to be a good a good add to films. You know, he was of course he won an Oscar in his debut. So it's kind of hard to uh, ordinary people, yeah. So I, I think there's always the, I guess he's an underachiever in some respects, but um, yeah, I mean he's been great. He's been great in a lot of stuff, but he's a criminal. <laughs> Obviously, fuck him. <laughs> Somebody using a lift. Fuck, fuck, fuck this guy. Hmm? I hear like a buzzing sound. Me? Yeah. Oh, my my computer fan came on. Okay. This this podcast too hot. Speaking of our podcast. Or we're burning up the podcast charts, charts apparently, right? Uh, I mean, depends. I mean, like the like the tail end of them, yeah. Do we have three? Do we have three unique listeners? Oh, we have we have a, the same amount of listeners we usually do. Yeah, yeah, you because know, they keep clamoring. They're all over the boards begging. You know, we do the best we can to keep up with their needs, but it's hard. It's yeah. Hard. I don't know. I think this is. I think there's some sweetness in this movie. And I think it's one that people should seek out. It's special to me. It's cute. This caveman, this caveman is, he's smashing berries in this. Am I right? He does. He doesn't eat them. That's a waste of resources. In more ways than one, Nick. <laughs> in more ways than one. Yeah. You want to talk? He's smashing, he's smashing them fruits, and he's also smashing Timmy Hutton's berries. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? And probably off camera at night. Lindsey Krause smashing smashing his own berries. So. Oh, well, I mean, he's a huge masturbation guy. That's why his name named himself that. <laughs> so you think it's time to uh, do the work? No. Uh, okay. I don't think we've talked Good. enough about this great movie. Okay, let's keep going. All right, let's do the work. Oh, okay. Um, Deborah Winger. I mean, we'd be peaked with Deborah Winger. I, but I know what I wanted to do was do that lovely story, like tell you that lovely quote from the beginning of the film. Let's hear it. I, who was born to die, shall live 
that the world of animals and the world of men may come together. I shall live. That's an Intuit legend. And a little spoiler, Intuit, what, what, what software do they make? Is it Intuit or Inuit? What is it? It's probably Inuit. It's Inuit. I don't know. Yeah, Intuit makes Quicken. <laughs> so I like I like the reading. You did a very serious reading of that. I always, I you know when I when I saw this film, I imagined that uh, being read in like a Daffy Duck type boy. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a very. I think this movie. We didn't talk much about who directed this film. Fred Shepsey of Roxanne. And he uh, apparently had some drama on this film. I think he got fired Are you serious? off of it and then brought back on board. Yeah, I think he, and then he had some clash with uh, Norman Jewison, who was originally slated to direct this. And then um, uh, I just read all this. And then he, then he stayed on as producer. I think they clashed about the final cut of this film. And I, his, his big requirement, uh, Fred Shepsey or whatever his name is, was like I just want Timothy Hutton smiling as the caveman falls to his death at the end, <laughs> for some weird reason. Yeah, yeah. They replaced him for a while. They had Fred Shoke work on it, but then they got him back, which was nice. Um, um, Roxanne, yeah, it's a solid little film too. So he's got some. It is, yeah. He's actually got a couple of films that are worth watching. Did you look at his IMDb credits? Yeah, man. It's not just Roxanne. I do all the time. I'm always looking at Shepsey. He's got some other ones that are, that are interesting. He's still it's, alive, it's too. Little... I mean, he did Empire Falls, which you're a huge fan of. Six Degrees of Step, which you love. You know, Mr. Baseball, Russian Russia House. Yeah, he nailed it. Plenty with, with the Streep. He did Russia House? Yep. He killed it. Is that is that a Sean Connery? Yeah, and Michelle Fife. And he also did The Lovely Fierce Creatures. Yeah, I think... I mean, I, I think... Russia House is probably Connery's best known work, right? Is that, would you agree? Or he also did a movie I saw in theaters. I cannot believe I saw this in theaters. Barbarossa. Remember that? What's Barbara? Nice. What's Barbarossa? It's a Western with Willie Nelson and Gary Busey. No, I don't even know what that is. Yeah, I saw that in the theater, 1982. Yeah, Willie Nelson had a brief period as a, as a country music silver screen star. Yeah. Yeah. Or a, yeah, he sucks as a as a as an actor, kind of. But he's great, just maybe not on screen. So, what are some of the things that you would have liked to have seen happen in this movie? Like other other alternative stories or tangents they could have taken with the caveman? Because that was always there's a lot of what ifs and almost in this story that I think would have helped make it more successful. Like maybe bring the I'd like the, the arcade, you know. What'd you say? Maybe bring the caveman into the arcade. I think one of the things they could have done with this is have the caveman adopt adapt to 80s style, right? And so put him in some what are those those t-shirts that were popularized that, that you could like touch and they would oh, oh, yeah. hold that pattern. Genera color genera something colors. Yeah. Or just like you know, like a like a acid wash jeans. <laughs> Yeah, like, can you imagine? He's like, uh, there's like a fucking funky ass beat, and Pita, Pita, and he starts breakdancing. Pita. Uh. <laughs> but you know, remember when they went, you know the acid wash jeans were like, well, uh -huh. he could have used parachute pants at the end of the film. 
That's what I'm saying. People got very like pattern focused on jeans. Like acid wash was huge. And then remember there was also galaxy wash jeans. (laughs) They were like black. They were black jeans with like pinpricks of like, you know, yellow. So to, you know, as like star sort of. Yeah. Um, They didn't, they didn't get too popular, but I remember that was an option. Um, What about a throw a a sweater uh, tied around his neck? Like a little, yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Gre- grease back his hair. He had that wild hair. He could have combed it. Yeah, or he could. Yeah, he's like wearing, uh, you know, ruse mm-hmm. with the docker <laughs> with the zipper yes. and the velcro. Yeah, yeah. Or he could have had like a members only jacket. That's the one thing everybody always remembers from the eighties. Those member only jackets. Did you ever? Did you ever have one of those? Uh, of course, uh, mine was tan. Can you uh, and black? <laughs> but I think it'd be cool if he had one. Oh God, it's so funny. Him and Hutton are like hanging out in the vivarium and members only jackets and the camera pulls in and it says Neanders only on, on Charlie. <laughs> what if there's a scene where Timothy Hutton's laying on the ground, uh, bleeding from the, the head. Like he's like, obviously been bludgeoned to death. Uh-huh. And then they just cut to, um, Charlie pulling his swatch wash off. <laughs> swatch watch. Off. Yes. I can't even say it. Um, did you ever, we talked about this before, I think, but did you ever have a swatch? Of course. Yeah. Did you ever have a Coke watch? No. Oh, that was so Coke. Wasn't it Coke? Coke was popular for a while, like in the clothing department. They're sure. So yeah. Yeah. So when swatches were so popular, all of a sudden everybody else was trying to get into the watch game and Coke did. And it, it kind of worked. People got Coke watches. <laughs> I did. I don't know because no, I, I did not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Speaking of Coke, I mean, Coke was a huge '80s drug. He could have, Charlie could have been introduced to some of those habits. Yeah. Oh my god, can you imagine? Like Timothy Hutton introduces Charlie to Moose, and he gets his hair all spiked up and shit. They had some Liberty spikes. <laughs> uh, that's that's that's, a, that's an unlockable in Tony Hawk, I think. Um, yeah, I like the idea. Of course. Or, or what about this? Like you, you're saying, like Timothy Hutton's bleeding from the head. What if he smashes his head apart with that rock and right as soon as they meet, and uh, and then he's just like, you know, like they, Danny Glover runs in the room and you see like Charlie just like eating a little bit of Tim's brain, and then credits. <laughs> That'd be fine. Or maybe I'd be good with that. Maybe he eats the hypothalamus and then spinoff relic. Oh yeah, yeah, that would have been good. Charlie Cathoga. That would be good. Last name's Cathoga, we find out. <laughs> um, do you think that Iceman ripped off uh Han Solo and Carbonite for this? Do you think that's what their insp- main inspiration was? <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think it was too. <laughs> yeah. I would I think it would What do you think of let's let's talk a little bit real quick about Han's look in Carbonite. Okay. Is that the coolest frozen look that's ever been put on film? There's something disconcerting about it, I will say, but it's also Harrison Ford, so it can't help but be cool, it's right? Open, so, right? It is, and I think that's a requirement because if your mouth's closed when you fr- when you freeze, it doesn't look like you're in any anguish. It looks like you're cool with being frozen, right? So you have to have the mouth open like you're surprised. You're right, Nicholson. Do you think? Let me ask open. again. Do you think it's the coolest frozen look at all of film? Yeah. No. Like, it's like a, you don't. It's in Nicholson. For what? Shiny. 
<laughs> and he doesn't have his mouth. Right. He just looks mad. It's all he the looks criteria mad. for me. It's all the check works. He looks bothered by it. <laughs> he doesn't really look that bothered by it. He looks a little, he looks semi-annoyed. What acceptance looks like, I think. He looks like he's kind of like touche. You got me, <laughs> you know? Yeah. He, the, another thing is he doesn't really look that frozen. <laughs> he just looks like he's holding still, kind of. Um, I would say that Han Solo probably has the coolest frozen looking face. Okay. Or Harrison Ford. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. I have to think about it, though. All right. I'm pencil pencil it. Okay. All right. So let's do the work. Um, all right. You're at the parlor and the, the guy's needles buzzing and you got to get something from this etched into your skin flesh. Uh, where are you going? What's happening? Oh man. Have you thought about this at all? Because this per, I, I know what I would do. Okay. So Charlie has a weird scar on his chest. He sure does. In the, it's like in a dream catcher type pattern that they allude to in the clouds later at the end of the film. It's like this pattern that has meaning to him and to like this trickster God and all this stuff, or I guess is something his, his God. Right. And so I, it's on his chest. He obviously gave himself this kind of, you know, brutal tattoo that's healed over. I would, I would do the same thing. I would give that, kind of spiderweb look to my chest as well okay i'm down with that um jesus um i've got a very annoying dog um i would have um remember when charlie is in motorcycle riding position when they dethaw it yes that's of course i'd have him uh, in a i'd have him in motorcycle position um have it on my just hang in there calf yeah i'd have i'd have like a floating charlie in the motorcycle position sure yeah that's a uh raw doll book right <laughs> i like how they're talking about and they and when when that happens they hear they smell methane and they smell all this weird stuff going on so i think i think charlie's first act as a as a member of society was to rip one i think so too i they don't say it they they kind of allude to it. They're like, I smell sulfur, you know. Like, yeah. But I think they're trying to say that he farted. Yeah, like that's and and they're and and Chepsi's probably back there going, can we say farted? I don't want to push the limits. I don't want to get an R. Yeah, I want to stay to PG. Yeah. yeah, let's just let's just be safe and not say the word fart. Yeah, or the ter- or the or the verb farted. <laughs> It'd be great if uh, him and Hutton are sitting there and he rips one and he goes, Mila, Mila. That'd be great if they were trying to decipher, you know, to figure out his language. And they go, well, we know this one definitely means fart. This word means fart. And then this this other word is loss <laughs> or something. That's the two words they know. Yeah. And then uh, he, he finds, like, they basically go through one. Remember, they bring in a linguist to help with all that shit. Mm-hmm. That would have been a great place to cast, like, a star. Like, a, like somebody to show up late in the film to add some gravitas. They didn't do that. Yeah. I mean, you know, all of a sudden, yeah. like, you know, Peter Cushing shows up and he's like, yeah, let me tell you about his words. You know, perfect impersonation. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it'd be Cushing though. Who could it be? Who would have been a good ad for this film in that role? Uh, but yeah, maybe the linguist could be like, cool. Like, you know, maybe like a romantic rival. Like Gallagher too. Like maybe Gallagher comes in. Yeah. That's what I was thinking about. Peter, right? Peter Gallagher. 
It's like we, we for, they're taking like six watermelons off the helicopter before. What what's going on? Oh, um, that'd be great if uh, if uh, they just like this guy's just a fucking scam artist and he's putting him through fucking serious Gordian knot. Man, he's just fucking. He's like you know like a house of cards. Like he's doing one of those Ponzi's all over that. Who this this linguist? So like <laughs> like. Charlie's like, Fronio! And he's like, uh, yeah, he, he's like, he needs a bicycle. That's what he says. He wants it shipped to my house in New York. <laughs> I can't believe he doesn't. He wants an Atari 2600. What the fuck? I don't know. They had a word for that. And he wants the haunted house game. <laughs> I thought you were saying that Charlie was putting on the scam. Can you imagine if they... If he, maybe they unfroze him and, it, and he's not a caveman, but he just turned out to be like a magician. Oh, yeah. No, that, was, that would be great if, if they tried to do a stunt. No, it'd be great. They dethought Charlie and his hand is closed and they open it up and it says punked. <laughs> like the long con, serious long con. Yeah, it's a long con. Yeah. Like Jim Carrey pulls. That's where John Lone's Dumb from, and, is long con. Dumb and Dumber too, huh? That's where John Lone's from originally. Long con. Oh. That's right. That's right. You're right. So what tattoo are you getting? Oh, we already, you already did it. Um, yeah, I did a bad one. So you, <laughs> you have, uh, you've been granted a super budget and uh, you're able to build some badass bads. And what are you going to do for Iceman? Oh, like what, what kind of uh, yeah. What you mean? Like a theme park right. restaurant? Yeah. 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 Hmm. I mean, I think one thing that they me- they messed up on, is when they unfreeze him. They unfreeze a caveman. And they later did unfreeze a caveman. Like seven years later after this movie came out. Are you serious? This did happen. Okay. Yeah. Now he didn't unfreeze to life, oh. but they found a caveman in a block of ice, I think. I can't remember the name, but um it wasn't the same story. But Timothy Hutton did show up. <laughs> um uh and so uh I think they went when they melt him and they show the water from the ice just going down the drain. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. You gotta, you gotta capture that water and and sell it. Okay. Yeah, you know, like that. You know the. I think I would. That's what I would do. I would. I would have uh, the drippings of caveman uh, ice. Yeah. That'd be like you know. I'd sell that as a beverage. Yeah. And you know, like I said, if they did find one. They did find a caveman that was frozen. There's got to be more. Right. And I wouldn't just limit it. That would be the flavor inside it, right? They, this is caveman flavor. This is, you know, woolly mammoth flavor. Right. Yeah, I'd have different, you know, old dog flavor. I don't know what else is back then. Yeah. What kind of other shits was back then? What kind of other shits was back then, Nick, besides caveman and woolly mammoth? Oh, my God. You had Archaeopatrix. You had, uh, you know, you had Mo Shops. You had all these crazy, you know, I mean, granted, Mo Shops is a few billion years before that, but... You got all sorts of like you're, t- you're talking about the bridge between those creatures of lizard, the lizards, and then the furry things. You know, just give me some more shits that were back then. Saber tooth. Give me some. Yeah, I guess saber tooth in there. What else? Yeah, like uh, harlequin giraffe. Yeah, a woolly giraffe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pretty cool. Uh, so that's that's neat, and that's what you would be selling is their sweat or their frozen what? body sweats. I would just smell the water, that water. Like it's, yeah, that's a, sometimes I think this, that kind of pure water, it's a high priced item. I'd be getting rich off of this. What about you? What would you, what would your business be? 
How would you celebrate Iceman? Oh, man, you took my idea. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to have a salon. It's called the Iceman Groometh. And, uh, yeah. and so you go in there and there's part, every little, the, each little cutting area is partitioned off and, and they're like little Neanderthals. And then you're, you go into your little thing and the person who is cutting your hair and grooming you looks like Charlie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they're pelted, they stink. They, uh, they're using rudimentary stone tools. It's really dumb. And then what they do is they take your your current look and they fuck it up. They like make you look like a, like a piltdown man or like a you know a like Cro-Magnon. You know you, you start to look like the missing link. You know. Oh wow! And then, they add to it. Yeah, and so basically you go out and then um, into uh, you know the rural part of Georgia and people try to figure out if you're just a local or if you've just come out of that grooming salon. Can I add to your idea here? I think what would be great is if you go in, like you said, there's an Anderthal there. Uh, looking dude and you sit in the chair and he grooms himself like he shaves himself down first like you know he's standing there giving himself the old buzz about right and then he adds his own hair to your look <laughs> but you know first he has, to reach, he has to grab your dick and make sure you're a person yes well, of course yeah. Yeah, it goes without saying like the, the getting to know you part that's actually why people go there is that getting to know you part where he sm- pokes you grabs your your penis Smells everything. Yeah. Yeah. Timothy Hutton tried. Yeah. Uh, but she. <laughs> yeah. Well, he did worse than that. Oh. Um, all right. So you. Uh, Apparently. You're in the movie. You've been inserted into yes. Iceland. Where, where, where does your character. What happens to you? Oh, man. I don't know. Have you thought about this? Who would your character be? So, Yeah. In my version of this movie, there's a there's two timelines concurrently happening. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm 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 or oh, oh, and I'm hunting with him in the mm-hmm. past, and yes. and uh, I'm having a um, you know we're communicating in the in the in the tundra as we're hunting, and he doesn't respond, and and my guy uh, there's like a there's like a really funny like comedic moment where I look over and there's been an avalanche on top of Charlie. Mm-hmm. And, and and I do like the shrug, like towards the camera, like oops. You're right. And then uh, you know, and, and much later in the film, they they dethought me because uh, while I was shrugging and laughing at his misfortune, I got hit by my own avalanche, and I'm frozen as well. Mm-hmm. And then um, <laughs> they dethought me, and I fart as well. But that's all I do for the rest of the film is just rip supreme ass. They end up cutting me up. Yeah, they don't even kill me. They just start cutting because I'm farting entirely. <laughs> they don't bother. They can't get near you enough to dissect right. you. They keep trying, yeah. but they can't. And they have an Inuit um, quote about some some people are just filled with ass. You know, like some, some famous quote. <laughs> That's how it starts off the movie. <laughs> I would be one of the guys uh, from the lab in the search party. You know, like one of the kind of the that's just the background guys that would like, Oh, I got to go hunt this. Uh, I'll be home late tonight. I got to go hunt this, this fucking caveman out in the <laughs> wilds of the Arctic. So I get out there with my, like, you know, I trank on, I'd be, I'd be, uh, you know, tr- trying to do some, tr- you know, tracking, but I'm not that good at it. And then I would get encased in ice. 
how an avalanche would happen, I get encased in ice. Forty thousand years in the future, <laughs> they would thaw me out, and I'd I they revivify me, and I try to explain to everybody how you're not going to believe this. <laughs> when I got frozen, we had just unfrozen somebody. You know, like I would I would try to recount my past week and a half, or I guess they were there for a couple months. Like you, this is such a weird coincidence, guys. You're not even gonna believe it. We just forty thousand years ago unfroze someone too. Now I'm the unfrozen guy. That's the thing. Well, it turns out forty thousand years from now, uh, the world is run by cannibal crickets, and they fucking devour you instantly. They just snap your head off, and they don't want to. <laughs> don't have time for your excuses. Not before I get out of PETA, though. <laughs> And they're like, oh, my God, I think he's talking about his trickster God. He must be talking about his trickster God. I'm just trying to I just want to. I'm just hungry. I got a hankering for falafel. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Peter. Yeah. So I would that that would be that would be what a mind fuck. Wouldn't it be if you got frozen immediately after you had just spent so much time working with someone frozen? Oh, man. Can you imagine? Yeah. What a trip! Life's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, I, especially for that guy. It'd be it'd be weird. Like I think it'd be cool. If, play a prank on somebody, right? Mm-hmm. You uh, you get a Charlie cube and you stick it into like one of those facilities that has dry ice, mm-hmm. and then somebody gets a delivery and the joke's on them because they have Charlie. So <laughs> they wake him up. Yeah, he gets on. Yeah, I think he handled. And all things said and done, I think he handled his on. Unf- freezing very well very well yeah i mean if they if you were unfrozen let's say this happened to you i mean you would just constantly be shitting yourself yeah and i probably you would not be no that's cool the second i saw a a goddamn guy in clothes you know like like a nice shirt i'd lose my shit i'd kill everything Heart of gold. I would. That's why I'd spend most of my time after unfreezing trying to sing. Remember the lyrics to Heart of Gold and not not remembering most any of them actually. Yeah. I do. I'd have. Uh, what's his other one? That's a, what's another big Neil Young song? Harvest Moon. Yeah. That's what I would. I would. I'd do that instead. Anyway, American Black. You can. Yeah. So yeah, is that it? No, there's an island. Oh, island. Yeah. 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 Uh, you're on an island. You've collected debris from various films. You've got a nice selection going. Um, what 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 totem from uh, from Iceman would you collect? I mean, the, the, in this movie, he there's like this golden shower head that he that he finds, right? So that he pulls that up from the swamp. It's it's you know uh, it's a filter or it's spraying water into the little make man made pond in his <laughs> habitat. Huh? It's like a pool cleaner. Yeah, and it's like this little shower head's golden, and he it's his prized possession. And he tries to at one point trade that <laughs> for Lindsay Krause. Yeah. And uh Lindsay Krause is like, what's he doing? And Timothy Hutton has to mansplain. It's funny as funny as shit, too. The producers played a joke and they tried to pay her with that. <laughs> um, and so I would take the shower, the that little prized possession, because it just I think it's a cute thing to um Plus, I think it might have worked. It's like it was is working. The, you know, it looked like it had a couple speeds. You never know. Have a little relaxation on the island. You know, to take a bite out of it. It was so cute. Yeah, it was. 
So I take that, I guess. What about you? Um, I would take, um, I would, you know, like, you know how some people, uh, you know, people like re- really religious people, um, like they collect like the, this, you remember like they, like the, 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 the shroud of Turin, right? Like that was apparently put on old Jesus head, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, shroud of Turin. and then what's that, what's that famous, uh, Lance where he was lanced, you know, that was in Hellboy. He had, like the lance that pierced his, his uh, side, Mr. Christ. Mm-hmm. So, sure, okay. so I have on, on an altar in, encased in glass, the, 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 the jabbing stick that pierced James Tolkien in a similar way. Oh, yeah. It's sort of like that. It's sort of like the same quality and importance. And I'd have the wood, the, yeah, the stick of wood, the spear that yeah. pierced James Tolkien's Christ. I mean, his, uh, his side, you know, and I'm not going to say that I worship James Tolkien on this Island, but who's to say I don't. I think it kind of pierced him more in the middle. It seemed like it pierced his upper belly. Well, you know, yeah. a lot of people get, you know, mixed feelings about religion. You know, that's what that's where the problems come out. Everybody has their own interpretation, you know. That's where the problems come out, yeah. Um, um, we need, I think we need more movies like this. We need more. We need more, you know, gazing to the stars, just un, uncynical, sweet little, you know, like Smithsonian Magazine quality shit. Yeah. You know, like a fucking like a where people eat be- bugs. Uh, there needs to be more more of this. I, this movie made, made me wish for a, a different uh, a different tapestry of film. I could watch shit like this all day long. Yeah, me too. Me too. It was too. Speaking of me too, uh, me too. Um, this movie is a little a little bit skirting the edges of the PG. You know, what I'm saying I think it was kind of pushing a little towards the R at the end. Which part? When the sadist shepherd watched the caveman fall to his death and smirked, like, can't wait to see him splat. <laughs> but all that time, I didn't know that he was all that time was put into this. He completely orchestrated it to where he could watch the caveman fall to plummet to his death. Yeah. What, the whole movie was a setup for that. Would it have killed them to throw in a ghost story dick twirl on his way down? <laughs> they do some, do some clever hiding. Just like our last movie of in Beowulf, they do some clever hiding of the crotch area in this whenever he's unfrozen. Yeah. Did you notice that? Yeah, they put a giant yeah. dick in front of it, so he, he can't see it. Yeah, Timothy Hutton. Timothy Hutton was standing there in front of it in some shots. Um. Anyway, so do you think he really did it? I mean, because you seem to have already you already seem to have condemned Timothy. I think he really did the crime. Yeah. Um, I tend to believe the people that come out. Didn't Rose McGowan yeah. kind of cop to being not telling the truth or something? I hadn't heard that. Yeah. I know Amber Heard. I think people. Amber I think she's very outspoken. I think some people don't like her. Is that what you heard? I remember somebody kind of kind of went back on some other stuff, and I know Amber Heard got busted maybe for something too, like like not really Johnny Depp not being at fault or whatever. I mean, I think it's, he he definitely pushed back. Yeah. On that stuff. So that's a yeah. I think, you know, I, I, if we could go back to 1984, that might not be the worst thing. Oh, what? That's what Timothy Hutton? <laughs> not the Orwell book, but I'm saying, like, I think we. Hey, Oz. There's Oz. <laughs> Oswald. <laughs> Just walk right into the frame. 
Yeah, he cut you off. He like jumped in front of you like a bullet, like he's saving you from a from a bullet as you tried to. Uh... No, I'm just saying, like, I, just think about how innocent we were in in, in 1984. I mean, we weren't though, right? I were, you were tw- we're twelve years old. We weren't doing much. We were, but the world maybe not so much. I'll take it anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what movie are you going to recommend to everybody? Oh, yeah, let's do that. Um, I got to see. I got to see something that's available because I I keep I keep wishing Mr. Frost was on some sort of streaming network or something. Right, but I'm sure you have something already in your mind. I don't actually. You ripped me last time when I recommended one, so I'm trying to think. Hey, what, what, what did I do? I don't remember that. I recommended Killing Them Softly, and you said that I read an article. Or no, I just had just it. seen two articles about that. So I'm, not, I'm not ripping you. I'm just saying you're a fucking ripoff artist. I didn't read those articles. Um, what is that? I mean, if I said Mordecai, would that. I have a t-shirt from that movie. Oh my God. I'm, you know, a, a movie that I want to revisit because I always love Keith Gordon that just came out on iTunes is uh, midnight clear, but I haven't seen it for a long time. So it's hard to recommend it. You know, I mean, I just remember loving it, but I, I just haven't seen it for 20 years or more. Um, so I, I guess that came out, but I don't want to recommend it, I guess necessarily. Although I think all his movies are worth watching, Keith. I'm sure that I mean that can't have aged poorly. I mean that's such a solid little story. Right. I don't know why you're you you have any trepidation about that one. It's a huge. Well, it's not it's not necessarily a feel good movie either. No, but it's um, it's uh, not movies are supposed to be uh, escapism. You know, you're escaping from this and then you see that. That's how it works. Yeah. Well, Hostel Two is like escapism lately. Oh um, shit! He fucking brought the. We saw we saw Hostel Two together. Remember? I don't. We saw it together at a midnight screening, and someone brought like their six year old. <laughs> oh my god! It's such a fucking nightmare. <laughs> it was a bad bad film. Um, I recommend. Um, I recommend. Well, someone's brought up the movie Witness today and that's not necessarily like a obscure film but i think it's on a streaming service and maybe it's a movie people haven't seen for a while that's a that's a good movie Witness. Is, yeah so that was a hair and, got nominated for that i think and danny gloves in it we brought it up earlier yeah so that i i always i've re i've revisited that film a few times and i think it's a good film it's science fiction because kelly mcgillis is a, is a love object in it um no she's a mate she's great in that um and Alexander Gudnov's in it. Yeah, when he was alive. Do you remember? Do you remember Harrison Ford's character's name? It's great. John Book. John Book. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um. Do you remember who plays the little guy in that? Yeah, the biggest ears in America, Lucas Haas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lucas Haas in there. Yeah. His first, I think, his first role. Maybe yeah. he sees a bathroom murder. That's how they kick off the film. Yeah. It's Danny Glover and somebody else. He's an Amish. <laughs> yeah, there's a. It's a good movie. It's a old Harry Ford in there. It's a good. You should. It, I think it's on a either Netflix or Amazon. Plus, or he sings a song. He does. It's another one they sing a song. Don't know much about history. Whatever that song. Don't is know called. much about science. John Book. <laughs> um, yeah, I I would recommend. I'm going to recommend. Uh, 
a Danny DeVito, um, you know, period, kind of uh, just basically like a choose your own adventure. It's not a lot of wrong answers. I'm, so I'm going to give you one that's older is uh, Tin Men, which is a great Levinson film. One that's a little bit newer than that is Heist, which I recently revisited and am absolutely gaga over now. And I was, yeah, I, I was just, that's a that's a chut screen. I was disappointed right. in it a little bit when it came out because I was I was expecting the world out of that movie, and it's good. Mm-hmm. It was good, but it wasn't. It didn't blow me away. It was like a peak my peak mammoth fandom, and uh, I was wrong. That thing is aged like a fine wine. It's it's so good. No, it's a, it's I love that film. I mean, I it's that and like I mean anything of mammoth Spartan and that are like that's like both classics. Spartan is so good too. I see you recommending DeVito. Are you avoiding Renaissance Man on purpose, or no? I, I forgot he. I forgot he did that. And I loved Living Out Loud. I don't know why the movie made me sad. Holly Hunter and him, yeah, a little love story. I never saw that. You want? Oh, Richard Legravenace did that. I didn't know that. But um, I, I really like to talk about this cast. This is a fucking weird. Holly Hunter, Danny DeVito, Queen Latifah. Martin Donovan, stiffer than stiff. Richard Schiff, stiffer than Schiff. Elias Kateas. <laughs> and Eddie Cibrian. Is he in that? Eddie the Sib Cibrian. Star- he must have played. He, I guarantee, I've never seen this movie. He had to have played a douche. Somebody that was hot that Holly Hunter is fixated on because he was so handsome. That's It has to be his character. Douche, though. It has huh? to be a douchebag. Eddie Cibrian here. He, uh, uh, husband, I believe, I don't know anymore if he, but it was together with old Leanne Rimes. Remember her? The musician. A little gossip. <laughs> she, uh, she broke apart his marriage, my man. Leanne Rimes did. And he was in that show Invasion, which I really like. I bring it up every once in a while on the show. I can't believe Leanne Rimes had time. What do you mean? To, to break up a marriage. Solving crimes from that hospital bed? <laughs> I'm just excited that Eddie Cibrian and Leanne Rimes are out there dodging COVID like the rest of us. We're in it together, you know? Um, Eddie Cibrian. Is that how you say his name? Cibrian. Cibrian. Sounds a little sexual, right? Oh, yeah. Or yeah. tilt. That's right. Is that the that's pre billions Koppelman Levine, right? Yep. He is still married with Leanne Rhymes. Damn right. They lasted. They lasted. Oh my god, that is fucking weird. You're right. I love birds. You're right. She blew his marriage apart. Did they um did they are they still like is she is he still acting? Is is he still bringing the heat actor wise? Is he, is he still killing it? How's his IMDb page looking? Is it up to snuff? Is he still getting hired all the time? Nick. Yes. He, his last film was in 2014. It was the Tyler Perry movie. Was it? But he's still he's still rocking the television. He's still actually still working. What's his last? He's on Country Comfort. He's on Take Two. He's in Baby Daddy, Rosewood, Leanne and Eddie. Nice. He had a reality show called Leanne and Eddie on VH1. Oof. Who who do who do you play? <laughs> That'd be awesome if they swapped. Um, 
yeah, I didn't realize they had a reality show. How long? How many seasons? I I, I wouldn't mind catching that up. And uh, I don't know. As we so, as we're socially distant, I've, I've clicked away. I mean, well, I'm gonna look it up. Hold on. Oh my god, 22 seasons. <laughs> 630 episodes. Yeah, they just, uh, I mean, the good thing about Eddie Cibrian is even though um, we very get, rarely get to see him, um, mm-hmm. all you have to do is go to Madame Tussauds. Wouldn't it be awesome if, <laughs> if the unfrozen caveman woke up and he's like, just get me in front of something, get me in front of this. I need to know what just catch me up. What's the world been up to? And uh, to Hutton trots out these uh, Leanne and Eddie, and, he, and the caveman says, "That's still on."